open your Bibles to the book of John and chapter 6. It's, um, yeah, it's just funny the, the Lord's timing. I was originally meant to give this talk a few weeks back, but it, things got shuffled around. But the plan was to give it on food. Uh, and then it's got moved to this weekend, which is the prayer and fast weekend. So, yeah, praise the Lord. Um, so John 6, and uh, just to set the scene, we're going to start in verse 24, but just before we start reading, this is straight after the time where Jesus fed uh, 5,000 with uh, five loaves and two fishes, two small fishes. Um, and because the people wanted to make him a king, um, he uh, travelled from, from a place called Tiberias to another place called Capernaum because it wasn't his time yet. It's interesting that he actually walked on water for most of that, that voyage um, and he uh, met his disciples halfway through and, and then they were at, at this place called Capernaum. And we'll, we'll pick it up in verse 24 and it says, uh, When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Or when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which, which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And uh, so the people sought for this, this natural food uh, that Jesus was able to provide. He provided it in a supernatural way, but it was it was natural food that they, they ate and they were filled and then they grew hungry again. Um, and they missed the fact that uh, that Jesus was, was sent from God and this sign was just a sign pointing to his position as the Son of God. Um, we'll keep reading. And that says in verse 28, Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, uh, that you believe on him whom he has sent. And they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And uh, I was reading this this uh, a little while back, and, and it just hit me that these people had just been fed from uh, five loaves and two fishes, and they're asking for a sign. So the people that were were miraculously fed didn't even recognize this as a, as a miracle, and they were saying, well, back in the day, Moses gave the children of Israel manna to eat, so it's it's just bread that you provided. And they, they saw it as something that Moses did rather than something God did. Um, and it says in verse 32, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Uh, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. And uh, and we know that later on Jesus speaks of, of the true believers later in this chapter, uh, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and it became such a contentious thing for them. They thought we're only thinking naturally that many of his disciples uh, walked away and didn't walk anymore with him. Uh, and they'd missed the point that Jesus was speaking spiritually rather than natural bread, which he'd provided for them the previous day. Uh, he was speaking of this uh, this spiritual food that uh, he was able to provide. And uh, so we know that when he was talking about believers eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he wasn't talking naturally but spiritually. I'll just quote Matthew 5, verse 6, which is um, part of a, a sermon where it talks about the Beatitudes, and it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
And Jesus was uh, was trying to tap into this with the, the people that were hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Uh, they would be the ones that were filled. And it's a rare thing to be filled, especially in this in this world. Uh, of course, thinking naturally, when we eat, we hunger again. Our bodies are designed so that we we eat, we grow hungry, we eat again. Our, our bodies aren't satisfied by just eating once. Um, but the Holy Spirit satisfies us in a way that no natural thing ever can. can. Uh, we'll go back to chapter 4 of John now. We'll pick it up in verse 31, but before we do, this is at the time when Jesus witnessed to the woman at the well and said that uh, if, if a man or a woman drinks of the water at this well, they'll thirst again, but if they drink of the water that Jesus had, that they would, would never thirst again. Um, and in so verse 31, it just says, In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat or my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And uh, and our meat, when we receive the Holy Spirit, uh, our food, uh, what keeps us going is to be like Jesus, to and that is to do the will of God. Um, keep reading in verse 35, and it says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiving wages, uh, and he that, uh, sorry, and he that reapeth receiveth right wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and, and you are entered into their labors. So uh, we're, we're now called, once we uh, we receive the Holy Spirit, we become a son or a daughter of the living God. Our, our calling is to, to work and, and to work the will of God. And uh, it's to work the fields, to sow and to reap. And, uh, and we should see this as necessary as, as eating natural food. We should see this as as what keeps our, us going spiritually. Uh, and if we don't, if we don't, uh, do the will of God, we don't work the work, then we, we starve ourselves spiritually. Um, but if we do, then the spirit is satisfied. And, uh, I don't, I don't know if, uh, people have noticed, um, I know something I've noticed in my life is, is when you're walking strongly and when you're, uh, I guess, content with the way that you're living your life and that it's according to the will of God and that you're, you're following after the spirit. There's this satisfaction that enters into your into into yourself that uh, you don't find uh, in any other way. You don't find it naturally, uh, or in or from any other achievement, because we feel content and we feel satisfied in our position with God, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter if we're going through healing needs or or we have financial difficulties or whatever it might be. We're we're satisfied in our position with God, and the spirit within us is is content. We'll go to back to Genesis and chapter two. When I was thinking about this talk, I, I realized just how much the Bible talks of food. And of course, Jesus used it as a metaphor when he, he used his parables. Um, but also there's, there's many, um, I guess physical manifestations of food throughout the, the Old and the New Testament. And, uh, it becomes a symbol for what we, what we partake of, what we allow into our life and what we don't allow into our life. And uh, way back in, in Genesis where, uh, Adam was created and then, then Eve, and they were planted in the, or they were put in the, the tree, the Garden of Eden. There were trees planted, and we're going to read about them now. Uh, Genesis 2 and verse 8. And it says, And the Lord God planted a garden 
eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, We'll skip down to verse 15, and it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And uh, so Adam was given this this choice. We had a little bit about choices yesterday in the prayer and fast. Um, He was given this choice, and there was food to give life and life eternal, or there was food to bring death, and it was an eternal death. And uh, often we read this and think, well, how could Adam and Eve have been so foolish to have chosen death over over life? But uh, we sometimes we do this to ourselves, don't we? Sometimes we're given the option to uh, to do something that will will further us spiritually, or we're given the option to further ourselves in the flesh, and uh, we don't always make the right decision, do we? Um, so we, but we need to see it sometimes as, as, as simple as that, as simple as, well, this is something that's going to help me in my walk in the Lord, or this is something that's going to hinder me. It's either going to give me life or it's going to give me death. Um, so we're given this choice, whether we, whether we feed the spirit or, or whether we feed the flesh. And, uh, we, uh, it's, it talks later about a, a war between the spirit and the flesh and that they, they war within themselves because they're, they're contrary one to another. And, uh, but we have a choice which side we support. And, and whether we decide to choose the spirit or the flesh, that side will win. We'll either, if we choose to support the spirit, the spirit will win out. If we choose to support the flesh, the flesh will win. And that's the, the, I guess the, um, uh, the power of the choice that God gave to us. When he gave us free will choice, he gave us the choice to decide which side would win. Uh, Galatians, don't turn there, but Galatians 6. Um, and verse 7 just says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So uh, whatever whatever we decide to support, whatever wherever we sow, uh, that's, where, that's, that's what's going to grow in our life. Uh, of course, we know that Adam and Eve... Um, didn't make the right decision and, and, uh, they lived a long time. We read that Adam lived over 900 years and perhaps he was getting to that when he got to his 900th birthday. Perhaps he was thinking, Oh, maybe I'm not going to die. I've been eating of the, I ate of the tree of life for a while. So maybe that's going to sustain me. Um, and yet he did die. He, uh, he didn't have life eternal. Um, but that's, that's our opportunity through the Holy Spirit. When we partake of, of the things of the Lord, when we fill with the Holy Spirit, when we walk with him, it's like we're eating of the tree of life and we're given this opportunity to, to live forever. Um, thinking a bit about um, sowing to the flesh or to the spirit and uh, I got thinking of the, there's a saying, garbage in, garbage out, and uh, it's used in well, I think a number of different things, but in uh, computer programming it's talked about where if you put the wrong code in, you can't expect to get um, the, the right outcome. Um, it's only the outcome is only as good as, as what's put in. So if we want to enjoy the fruit of the spirit, then we need to sow to it. We can't expect to see the fruit of our spirit, the fruit of the spirit in our lives, if we're always sowing to the flesh. And I just got thinking of this, uh, like you've got a garden, and um, perhaps you've got this this lovely section of of, uh, of really good soil, and and you just keep tending to it. But perhaps that's the flesh that you're tending to, and and all you've got is just this small pot on the side for the spirit, and it's got this 
I guess, dilapidated herb that gets watered once every three weeks, and and you wonder why you're never getting any herbs out of it. Um, and uh, but whatever you put, whatever you work on the most, and whatever you put your focus on, that becomes what then you expect to get your joy and your satisfaction out of. And if it's the flesh that we're that we're tending to, if it's the flesh that we're sowing to, uh, we're not going to be able to enjoy the fruits of the spirit. We can't expect the spirit to grow in our life if we're always working on the on the flesh. Um, but if we focus on the spirit, then we can expect incredible abundance of fruit, and we're going to explore that a bit more later. Um, thinking again about garbage in, garbage out, and uh, I got thinking about well, if you were an athlete and you were expecting to compete at the top level, uh, you wouldn't constantly be feeding yourself fast food. Um, you need to have a, a the, the correct diet in order to do the things that you want to achieve. So we need to have a, a balanced spiritual diet in order to have a balanced spiritual life. And if we we think, oh, I'll just, I won't, I won't pray. I'm just gonna, just gonna read the Bible, and I'm not just gonna stay in my house and and just focus myself on becoming a, I guess, a scholar of the Bible. And and you might know your Bible really well, but if you're not actually applying it and going out and doing the things that you need to do, then perhaps it won't benefit you the way you think it might. Uh, and so we have this uh, this requirement to feed ourselves the right thing. And and there's there's plenty of foods out there that we we shouldn't partake of. Uh, there's plenty of foods that only do us ill. And yet, uh, they become a weakness for certain people. Just the same as in, in the natural, there's different foods that become a weakness for, for different people. It might be, I don't know, chocolate or, or soft drink and, and you might be fine not having any soft drink, but you might see a block of chocolate and, and you go straight for it. Um, there's different things in the, in the spirit that can be a weakness for us. And I just started thinking about some that on the, on the outside perhaps are not necessarily evil things. So to speak, and it, it can even be something like your work, uh, your work and your life and, and your fellowship balance. And, and, uh, and that could be a weakness for you. You might be, um, you might be always putting your time and your energy into work. And if you're feeding that, then that's what you're going to expect to get your fruit out of. It can be the company that we keep for our friends and our family. And of course, we need to be, uh, we can't just shut ourselves away from the world and from our friends and family. We need to be out there with an opportunity to preach the gospel. But they can influence us if, if we allow it. Um, things like social media or music, they, they teach us attitudes and they teach us doctrines that perhaps aren't aligned um, to the spirit. Um, just this week I was thinking just about political issues and, and how they can become a distraction from our walk in the Lord, from the simplicity of Christ. And I got thinking about the, uh, the, uh, the plebiscite vote that we had a few years ago on, on same-sex marriage and I remembered how at the time it was really frustrating because the only time, people suddenly wanted to talk to anyone who was a Christian, but the only thing they wanted to know about was our, our opinion on this, this certain topic. And, and it wasn't so much about, well, how do I become saved? It was, what do you think about this? And it, and it became a distraction from the gospel. Um, we'll go to Galatians 5 now. Another analogy I thought of was if, if we owned a luxury supercar, um, would we go down to the servo to get the, the cheap generic 20 weight oil or would we, we go to the manufacturer and work out exactly the, the correct oil that we need to feed it? And, uh, but now we've got the spirit within us. We need to make sure we're feeding that the correct oil, the correct food. Um, Galatians 5 just talks a bit about the conflict between the spirit and the flesh. And in verse 16, it says, uh, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, 
so that you cannot do the things that you would or you can't do the things that you want to do. Uh, but if you be led of the Spirit, uh, you are not under the law. And it goes through some of the, uh, I guess it's the, the fruits of the flesh, you could call it. And it says in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest or, or varied. And it says, it's, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I, have t- I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And of course, there's, there's many uh, works of the flesh that are mentioned, and I'm not particularly interested in going through them today in, in detail, but uh, how common are these in what we see every day, and and how often are they celebrated as something to be proud of? And you, you turn on your television and you put the put a show on. It's these works of the flesh are just just in your face um, from start to finish, and uh, we can't allow these works of the flesh to overtake us because, like it said, uh, they're contrary to the spirit. And if we allow the works of the flesh to become uh, prominent in our life. Like it said in verse 17, we cannot do the things that we would be. We become, we become unable to do the spiritual things that we want to do. And also, uh, we remember, I think Val mentioned that, that Jesus, uh, was crucified for us. The works of the flesh were crucified with him. The sins that we have, that we are sometimes beset by or that we, we commit, they were crucified with him. So we can't allow those to become, to overtake us in, in our life. Uh, but we want to focus on the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, uh, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So when we when we live in the Spirit, we get to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit. And... uh I was thinking earlier that uh, the fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we, we think of it being people coming to the Lord or, or getting a healing or, or getting a victory over something, but it's it's actually not that. It's it's the things that we read about. Um, and so we can think about the fruit of the Spirit being a result in our life, being a, a healing or whatever it might be. But the actual fruit that's given to us, love, joy, peace, and the other ones, they, they're far more valuable than any any victory, any healing, or any other result. And it actually takes the pressure off. If we're experiencing, uh, I guess if we're down because we're, we're not getting healing or not getting an answer that we think we might, uh, need or whatever it might be, it takes the pressure off and it means, well, uh, I've got these other, other fruits in my life and the Lord's going to heal me anyway and, and I'm going to get this answer anyway eventually. And, and we just focus on the fruit that the Lord's given to us. And, uh, seeking after results is, is something that the world does and, and uh, they see us. They they might see the fruit in our life, and they and they think that's something I'd I'd really like to have. Um, but they don't realise that that comes from God, and and the fruit of the spirit is what brings the ultimate satisfaction in our life. And it's the uh, the fruit of the spirit that the world notices because it's different. Uh, because they only ever see the works of the flesh. Um, but uh, when they when they see the fruit of the spirit, it's, it becomes a I guess a beacon for them. Um, we'll turn to Luke chapter 6. And of course, within fruit, there's a seed. Um, so when we, when we partake of the fruit, you get a, you get a seed and you can, you can plant more fruit. And the seed in the, in the Bible is, is identified as the word of God. So when we're, when we're, uh, when we're living according to the word of God, when we're enjoying the fruit of the spirit, 
it becomes evident because the word of God is is preached through our actions. Um, so Luke 6, verse 43, just a few verses here. And it just says, For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So, uh, of course, we the the benefit to, to growing fruit and having a fruit tree is that you get to eat fruit, um, but also you get to share it with other people, and, and uh, that's people within the fellowship, and that's people who are not in the fellowship, people who are not spirit-filled. They get to enjoy the fruit. Uh, of of uh, of us walking in the Lord, and um, I've sometimes noticed that people who, um, when there's a group of saints that work in a particular workplace, this workplace just seems to uh, become vibrant and, and and successful and whatever it might be, and we become a blessing to the people around us, even the unsaved. And uh, and sometimes people get a, a taste of that fruit, and they say, "Oh, I wish I could just have what you have." And they only look at the fruit; they don't actually look at the tree that it comes from. They because they can have what what we what we have. Through the Holy Spirit, if if they if they really want the fruit of God and the fruit of the Spirit, then they need to receive the Holy Spirit. But but sometimes all they see is that fruit without seeing where it comes from. Thinking naturally, if you have a have a fruit tree, you often end up with this absolute abundance of fruit. And say, so I think we um, had a peach tree in a house that I lived at once, and I remember uh, my grandmother sitting out the front and counting the number of peaches, and she counted. I can't remember if it was 80 or 800, um, but it was a lot of peaches on this peach tree, and, and we had so many peaches that we were, we were just sick of them. And uh, you end up with such an abundance that you can't possibly eat it all, and you start making jams and um, whatever it might be, other, other things. You start drying them, and, and you just get almost sick of this fruit that you've got. And But you but then you get the opportunity to share it, and, and you, you start giving it out to people, and, and you start to appreciate just how good it is when you see other people enjoying it. And it's the same same in the Lord. When we share what the Lord has done for us, we're reminded just how good that fruit tastes and, and we, we we can see others enjoying what God's done for us and, and we get to enjoy it through them. Um, we'll go to 1 Corinthians 3, um, another time when food is mentioned in our walk in the Lord and it talks about, well, we'll read it and then yeah, we'll read it and see what it says for itself. Um, so 1 Corinthians 3. And in verse 1, it just says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnals, even, carnal, even, uh, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, or with uh, solid food. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able, for you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envyings and strife and divisions, are you not carnal as, and walk as men? So uh, it's given this delineation between the milk and the meat, um, and uh, sometimes we need to judge where we're at in our walk, whether whether we're at the, the milk or the meat. We're going to quickly turn to Hebrews 5. There's another scripture I wanted to bring out along these lines, remembering that it talked about how um, when we're carnal, we can only really handle the milk. So carnal means uh, what of the flesh. Um, so Hebrews 5 and in verse 11, and this is just taken out of the um, the middle of them talking about this uh, Melchizedekian priesthood, or from the, the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek sorry. Um, 
And uh, basically, the author of, of Hebrews says that they're not able to, to handle talking about it. It says here in verse 11, Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered or understood, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. Uh, for every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So, uh, when we're, uh, when you're, uh, or you probably don't remember, but when you were a baby, um, you, you would drink milk, uh, from the mother, and, and the health marker is that, uh, that the, that the baby is feeding well, and, uh, that they're putting on weight, and that they're, that they're feeding, and, and that they're growing. Um, and often when you see people who are newly spirit filled, they, they hang on to every word of every talk, every testimony, and every interaction with someone who's spirit filled, and, and you just see it in their eyes that they're just, just drinking it in. And they're, they're guzzling that milk because they want to grow strong and, and they need to be ready for what life's going to throw at them. And, but there comes a time where you, you need to move on from, from the basics and, and get onto the meat. And it can be tempting to think of this as being, oh, well, the milk's just, uh, repentance, baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. And then the meat, something like prophecy. And, and perhaps there is that aspect to it. But also there's the aspect of where it talked about in first Corinthians when there's strife and divisions among you. It's, it's moving on from those things and, and becoming righteous. Um, another aspect to it is that a, a baby just, just feeds. A baby doesn't need to go out and, and go to the shops and, and buy whatever they might need or gather whatever they might need. They, they take what's given to them and they just, they just feed on it. And they take whatever nourishment they can get from the milk that's given to them. But when we're older, we discover the work that goes into preparing a meal. Um, and we learn to fend for ourselves. You might learn to, to cook for yourselves or you might learn how to, how to open an app that sends you food, um, and we we put into we start to put into the food that we that we eat, and uh, rather than just rather than just getting something out of what's given to us, you think about well, this is going to be good for my diet. This is going to be um, something that uh, is tasty or whatever it might be, and um, and I think that happens for us in the Lord as well. When you're young and you walk in the Lord, and that's not necessarily talking about time. Um, sometimes people are still young in their walk in the Lord after a number of years, but when we're young in the walk in the Lord. We, uh, we might go to a meeting with the attitude of, what am I going to get out of this? And it's, it's like a baby drinking milk and, it, and they go, well, what nourishment is going to get delivered to me? Um, but when we, when we start to grow and mature in the Lord, you go to the meeting with an, an attitude of, what can I give to this meeting? And, and what can I, what, what meals can I prepare for my, the saints around us? And, uh, and that can only happen, uh, if we've, we've moved on to the meat. And as we spiritually mature, it talk, again, it talked about our carnal nature and, and how we, we put that to one side and we, we become better at discerning good and evil. But you can only do that for one, if you're, if you're starting to be of service to the Lord, but also if you know more than just repentance, baptism, receiving the Holy Spirit. There's, there's more to it being able to discern good and evil and we start to rely on the Spirit that helps us to discern those things. Um, of course, sometimes, and if, if anyone here has been in isolation through COVID, you, you learn to survive on frozen reheated meals or takeaway or whatever it might be. And sometimes we're in a position, might be through sickness or, or whatever it might be, where all we can get is as a talk on YouTube or all we can get is just a phone call from a, a brother or a sister giving us some encouragement. Um, but uh, when it's possible, we need to not let that become our staple diet. We need to move on to, to the, the better things. Um Thinking about prayer and fast, and does anyone else after a prayer and fast, do you, 
you gorge yourself on rich food because you think you're really hungry and then you feel horrible afterwards. Um, sometimes when we, we let things slip and perhaps we've been um, spiritually not feeding or whatever it might be, not, not allowing ourselves to partake of the things of the Lord, you actually need to reacquaint yourself with the milk before you can move back onto the meat. And um, that's sometimes a requirement just so you can remember and start to, uh, I guess, appreciate the things that the Lord has done for us. Um, I'm going to read Hebrews 6, so continuing on, um, verse 1 to 3, but I'm going to read it from a, a different translation. And it just talks a little bit about uh, about moving onto the meat. And it just says, so let us stop going over, so this is, sorry, Hebrews 6, verse 1, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. So that was to the end of verse 3. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it sounds a bit confronting when you, when you read it like that. It's saying, well, you don't necessarily need to hear these things anymore. This is something that you need to understand in order to move on to those other things. And, and those other things can be things as simple as learning to get on with one another. Um, I've got a, an auntie who's been in the Lord for a long time, and, and she says, uh, I never read about changing your brother or your sister to be like Christ, but what I do read about is learning to live with them. Um, in the Bible, you don't, it's, you, we can't expect people to, to be perfect, but we can, we can help them and we can learn to live with them. Um, so we need to learn to cook for ourselves. Um, we need to, to learn what goes into the meal that we're, that we're eating of. Um, because if we're, if we're cooking for ourselves, we know what's, we know what the ingredients are. We know it's going to be good for us. Um, if we're only getting fed by what we hear at the meetings, uh, we become like a baby who's, who's drinking the milk. Then you become at the mercy of whatever the preacher has brought. Um, and of course we hear some incredible encouragement from the platform. We, we get some, some really good feeding and, and teaching from the word of God. Uh, but if that's all we're able to, uh, I guess be fed by, then it, it relies on the preacher having a, having a good week spiritually. Um, I remember when I started giving a talk, started giving talks, I was given this pamphlet about, uh, what the role of the preacher is in giving the talk. And it said that the preacher is like a waiter, that God has prepared the meal and it's up to them to serve it without spilling it on the way. And, uh, it's, it is a bit like that at times. And, and are we at the stage where we're not necessarily even talking about giving talks, but are we at the stage that we're able to deliver the meal to one another through sharing our testimonies, through giving encouragement or whatever it might be? expounding the word and the scriptures or are we still at that stage where all we can do is is take of the the milk or take what others are giving to us and of course no condemnation if if that's where people are at that's that's uh where you are in your walk in the lord but the lord is looking for us to excel and, and to move on to that point where we're able to be of service to him um we'll go to luke 15 and um i won't read the whole parable for time but it's talking about the uh the prodigal son who uh, went off and, and uh, wasted his inheritance, uh, talks about with riotous living, and he came back and was restored as a son. Uh, but in verse, uh, what did pick it up? Um, 25, it just says, uh, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. 
And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. And uh, we, we read this, and I guess when we're in the fellowship and we've been saved for a number of years, or even not for very long, we're, we're in this position of the elder brother, because we've been... We've already received this, uh, we've been restored as the son or the daughter of the living God. And we're, we're in this position where everything that God has is ours. It's our inheritance. So what do we want? And, uh, and perhaps we, we've begun to tire of the manner that God provides for us. Perhaps we begin to tire of the, the food that he, he gives to us spiritually. And you might start to cast your eye elsewhere. And, and it's dangerous because you, you start to think that you need more than, than what you've got. But uh, it says, "All that I have is is thine," and, and God owns God owns everything, uh, and it and that's His promise to us. Um, how much time do we have? I might. Um, I was going to read Psalm seventy eight, which you don't have to to turn there, but um, it's this this psalm that talks about God's guidance, even when Israel didn't believe. Um, actually, sorry, I will turn there. I'll just pick out a couple of verses from Psalm seventy eight. And you get this insight into the heart of mankind and how easily uh, we can forget the miracles and the signs that happen. And yet God continues to guide us. And um, the, the whole thing is, is really good. It talks a bit about the history of, of Israel and how they were taken out of Egypt. Um, maybe I'll just focus on the sections that talk about when they asked for food. And it says in uh, in verse 18 of Psalm 78, it says, and they, they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And it says, behold, oh, this the people still speaking. Behold, he smote the rock and the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Sometimes in our, in our walk in the Lord, we, we think, oh, God's done this for me. He's given me the Holy Spirit. He's healed me from this. He's done this. And we think, well, can God do this extra thing? And, and we think, well, maybe he can't. And, and it says that, uh, that's, I guess that's, that's not trusting in God's salvation. In, in verse 23, and it says, though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust, and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of the camp, round about their habitations, so they did eat and were well filled, for he gave them their own desires. Um, and it, then it talks about how, well, even though he did that, they still still didn't believe. And, and we need to make sure that we're not in that position where we're just waiting for the next miracle, but that we're... We're looking to the Lord for his salvation, and, and the miracles come as a result. Um, we'll go to Luke 14, start to wrap it up. Of course, if there's anyone here today who has uh, not yet received the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave this, this great invitation. Um, there's a, a scripture that taught where he, he just stands up in the midst of the, I think it was in a temple, and he said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me, and I'll give him uh, rivers of living water. And 
and it was any man. It was any man or woman. It wasn't just uh, the select few or a couple of priests here and there. It was it was an invitation to all. Um, the Holy Spirit's available to you today, and you can come into a relationship with God. Uh, so Luke 14 verse 15 says, "And when one of them, sorry, and when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God." And then uh, said he unto them, this is Jesus, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. We're not going to read the rest of that because it's, this is what I want to focus on, that, that Jesus gives us this invitation um, to eat of his supper, to eat at his table. And it's not one of these things where you go up and you, you take like half a prawn because you think you, you're not allowed to, to gorge yourself, but um, this is this invitation to go up and just just get into the meal that that God's provided for us, and uh, what a wonderful blessing it is to to be able to do that for God to have given us the meat and the food that is is good for us to sustain us, and uh, that will continue to sustain us unto eternal life. I'll just quote Revelation twenty two verse seventeen, and it just says, "And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come." And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And all the people said, Amen.